You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. And welcome to the show. Today I am talking to Sam Jay, and uh, it's hard for me really to express just how incredible I think Sam Jay is. She is one of my very favourites, and she has oh just everything. She's the complete package and more that you weren't expecting. She's just brilliantly funny, totally engaging, genuinely has something to say, and she's got punchlines on top of punchlines on top of punchlines and a completely fresh perspective, and not just uh, as, a, as a minority in all sorts of different ways, uh, but with really fresh things to say about the combination of life experiences that she's gone through. And although perhaps not my uh, most walk in the park of an interview, this one, there are some moments in this conversation which are suffused with brilliant, brilliant advice. Uh, No extras on this one. We spoke for an hour and that was that. Um, And I think you, by the time you've heard this, she will have uh, gone back to the States or certainly won't be in the UK anymore. But the next time, if you're listening in the UK, you get the chance to see Sam. Do yourself a favour. She is extraordinary. This is Sam J. So how was last night? Um, it was fun. I had fun. You had a bunch of shows, right? You had uh, you were here at Soho. Yeah. And, and then, then you're doing sets. Yeah, just little popping sets around. Trying to feel London out as much as I can. This is your first visit? Yes. And did you have a big night? Did I have a big night? Um, in the sense of, did you do shows, 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 and then stay up until five o'clock in the morning? I said until like 3.30. <laughs> okay, I yes, said until like 3.30. This was shows, went out. Met some weird people at a jazz bar that took us to the casino with a bar on the roof. Okay. And then told us they were in the Illuminati, and so we ran away. Oh, shit. Yeah. That is not, I mean... I don't believe that that is a usual London experience. Yeah, but was weird. I suppose coming to a foreign city and having an <laughs> insane experience that you have to run away from, maybe that's like a good yeah, way. Yeah, we like definitely had to book it. We like acted like we were going to the bathroom and then we like ran away. Oh my God. It was a little weird. Okay. Yeah. And we, as you and your girlfriend, girlfriend yeah. who is present at the shows. Yeah. I, like I heard her laughing. I assume <laughs> there were, there were like, I've never met her. Everyone there was her laughing, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are specific, <laughs> you know, I know what it's like to hear a, par- a comics partner laugh at a detail that yeah. is separate to the meat of the, everything else laughing at. Yeah, she's funny. I saw you first at South by Southwest earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Esther's Follies. Yes, and I love that room. I, I think I said to you afterwards, actually, I would have walked past you in the corridor, not in a way that you'd remember. <laughs> you destroyed that room. Like, I don't think I've seen... I Honestly, I was running back to the green room going, have you fucking seen Sanjay? And it was like, yes, we've all seen Sanjay. Because you knew, I'm from the UK, yeah, you don't have as like much of a presence. Runner, over here. fucking <laughs> animal and all these motherfuckers that know me very well. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you absolutely... Absolutely murdered that place. That's a fun room. That's a fun room to do stand up in. 
I think it's easy when it's fun, you know? When you're having fun, it's like, when the crowds are fun and they're into it, it's easy to like, not destroy, but it's just, it's, it doesn't even feel like crushing. It just feels like it's just good ass time. It just feels like what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, it just feels like what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah, exactly. It just feels like a, a good time. You and leave kind of feeling like, oh, this was a great conversation. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Even though it's kind of not one, it kind of is one. Well, you're very conversational, I think, in your style. And you're, you also have, you have kind of a conversation with yourself as you're doing it. Like, I notice you kind of, you like laughing at, you, I don't mean you laugh at your own jokes, but like... In I the, do in laugh the, at my own jokes, Well, too. okay, fine. I don't feel bad about that. I don't know. Comics get all fucking weird about that. I don't give a shit. If it's funny to me, it's funny to me. I mean, I wouldn't say half the shit if I didn't think it was funny. Like, I initially have to laugh at it yeah. for me to even want to do it. Yeah. The whole intrigue is like, are they going to laugh at it, too? So you have to think it's funny. And sometimes, like, especially if it's just something I thought of right on stage, it just makes me chuckle. It's like, oh, that's a very ridiculous idea. You also have, a, like, several times during the show last night, you would stop, chuckle, and go, that's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, because it's, like- it's just, like, a little bit living in your head, you know, especially here because the crowds are so fucking quiet that you're just, like, well, you're kind of, like, keeping yourself in the conversation by talking to yourself. Yeah, right, okay. Because I know, I mean, I... Having seen you just kill in South by, and then knowing you were coming to Soho, particularly Soho on a weekday, London crowds are very, very different. Especially at seven thirty, mm-hmm. like you need to be in top secret at midnight. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, I've been doing that too, though. So that's you, fun. So that's a different feeling. Yeah, for sure. That's just like a, just going and level the room type of situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how have you found like? Do you find that's an easy gear change for you to go, oh, it's like this? Like when you did your first show here, we're recording in Soho Theatre, Did you? were you taken by surprise by, like, oh, these, this is a very reserved audience? No, I mean, I knew it coming in. Like everybody warns you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everybody in America's like, hey, bro, you know, just so you know, they don't laugh like how they laugh here. Like they're way more reserved. So I think you kind of have a sense of it. I had a sense of it. I didn't realize how jarring it was going to be for me. Like, I knew it was going to happen, but then I was like, oh, this sucks, because, like, you just don't have a sense of what it is, because, I don't know, my style of comedy is so conversational, and I don't do, like, a themed-out show. Mm. It's like I have these topics that I know I want to get to, and I have, like, these kind of big ideas that are, like, the bridges. But then the middle stuff is kind of just felt out on stage, and it just kind of depends on the audience, the energy, and what's going on. And... So it was hard to, like, find where to take the leaps when they're not reacting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you feel a little lost. Like, oh, I'm just kind of up here. You know what I mean? It does feel a little bit like then it just feels like you're talking to your fucking self. It feels <laughs> a little, you're, you're like a, a nutty a little bit. You're you know? like a rolling energy comic. You're one of those people you detonate and then as as it's kind of all exploding, that's you're kind of surfing on top of that, right? The energy Yeah, rise. right. Exactly. 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 So when you can't, like, get the detonation to go, you're just kind of like... All right, you know, you're just on stage kind of feeling like a little lost. I think I was feeling a little like, ugh, why don't they just do it what I want them to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of that frustration of like, why don't they just do it the way I want it to happen so that I can do the thing at my best? Because, you know, you just want crowds to see you at your optimum. And it's like, oh, man, I can't even get to my optimum because... You guys won't do the thing that I need you to do for me to do the thing. It is very... uh, it's a mutual relationship, you know, at least the way I do it. And I think here they're very much used to, like, 
I have a package. I deliver this thing the same way every night. You could be here or not be here if this is what I'm going to say. And I just don't do stand up like that at all. So I think we're learning each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. I had to figure out them. And I, I think through the set, they kind of figure me out as well. Your stuff is so like there's a at the end of your album Donna's Daughter, which has those kind of interludes in it. So mm-hmm. in between the material, there's interludes where there's snatches of conversation of you talking to different people, mm-hmm. and they're kind of quite, uh, I guess, deliberately sort of like parts of them are more audible than other parts, and it's it's kind yeah. of like a miasma of uh, like a I don't know quite what it is. I, I'll let you describe <laughs> it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean I don't know. I don't mean that I don't know what it is. I mean that it's like it feels to me deliberately vague yes. so that parts of it like like words and concepts and snatches of conversation spring out of it yes. so it's almost like rummaging around in your mind yes oh good okay did i uh-huh. get that okay cool. <laughs> that's a fair yeah. assessment uh, yeah 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 the sure. one the one at the end of the album you're having a conversation i guess with another comic yes I, who is that who's the david bory okay i don't know oh i do know david uh, gabori yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> right I've, I've met him yeah yeah okay yeah. i didn't know that was him that's my boy um and you're talking about the the way in which some comics are on stage just for the adoration. Yeah. They're not there because they've got something to say. I think you said there's, like, they've got, I've got some shit in my head that I've got to get out. Right. So how does that fit into, like, that's clearly, like, I heard that and I went, yeah, that's completely how Sam sees comedy. <laughs> how does that fit into the shows that you're doing here? Uh, and, and that stuff when the audience is a bit more reserved. Can you still? Well, you know, I think I figured it out last night <laughs> for the first time, at least it felt, good completely to me like it felt like a me set it felt whole it felt like i was getting what i needed to get out of it you know because it's like you're not up there for no fucking reason like there's something that you and you just feel it as a comic it's like you know when you you got to nut and you know when you didn't get to nut and i (laughs) feel like i got to nut last night it was like Okay. okay this is all finally feeling the way i wanted it to feel but i think it took it took a bit of a breakdown wednesday night (laughs) <laughs> okay, go on. So tell me about that. Tell me about that. I just I'm, got frustrated. I don't know if it was even frustration. I just wanted to know why these audiences were like that. It was just like, I felt like I was up there alone again. And I was like, oh, this is such a painstaking conversation to get through if nobody fucking reacts to it yeah, or yeah, yeah. does anything. Then you're just like, Ugh, it's like pulling yourself through this thing. And I was feeling that way. It just wasn't feeling fluid. You know, it was feeling very choppy. In a way that I don't like, but the fluidity comes from, like you said, being able to ride the energy. And so I was just like, this doesn't feel fluid and this just feels unnatural. And if I don't acknowledge this, then I'm going to feel fucking weird because I feel it and I need to know what it is. So I just pulled up a stool and I was just like, why don't you guys laugh at stuff? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? And they were quiet. <laughs> it just kind of looked at me, and I was like, I don't have a joke. I'm not going to be mean to you. I just want to know for myself, like, what is the reason? Is it a cultural thing of respect? Is it just like you're kind of just waiting and you want me to prove? I don't, like, what is it? Because yeah. I don't know what it is. And at this point, it's just driving me insane. And then somebody finally just spoke, and she was just like, no, I just think that... She's like, we're all enjoying you. Oh, she actually gave you a genuine answer. That's kind of incredibly useful. (laughs) And she was just like, no, we're all enjoying you. I just think it's the Brits' way to kind of sit back and let you do your thing, and we kind of don't want to, like, step on your toes. But we're having a good time. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, we we just talked about it. And I was just like, okay, because, you know, as an American, I'm broken. And so (laughs) I need 
I do this for your approval. So if I don't get it, (laughs) it feels very fucking weird. You know what I mean? Then you feel exposed, I guess. More so. Even though you're exposed up there, you feel more exposed when you're not getting the approval that you're seeking from the audience to some level. And so we talked it out. Um, Then I told a really abstract joke that I've never tried (laughs) that kind of didn't work. Uh, And then I left. And... I felt, I felt good about it because I was like, that was me. I was being honest, and I didn't allow the thing to kind of consume me. I just confronted it, which is kind of what I like to do. And then Thursday, when I went back, I felt freer. I don't know why. I was just like, okay, now I get why they're doing this. I'm less worried about them doing it because I have a sense of what's going on out there. So I guess I still needed to figure out a way to feel connected to them, to be connected to the experience to be able to do the set the way I like to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And last night you opened, because that was the show I saw, and I, you opened with some material about how you find us reserved, which I guess en- enables you to take, take charge of that. Yeah, exactly. Rather than... Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Because it is weird if it's not the way you're used to doing stand-up. It is a little weird. And how long have you been doing stand-up? Six years, six years, maybe six and a half, seven. I don't know, somewhere in six or seven. And how long have you been crushing it like you did in Texas? I don't know, like six, seven years. No, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Some, it's just, you know, that shit is hit or miss. Sometimes you crush it, sometimes you fucking bomb. And it's just the state of it forever, I think. Do you, do you remember having a first bit of material or a first kind of attitude on stage that was the first moment that it, it really exploded? Mm, yeah, I would say uh, my Mad Men bit was like the first bit that I had that I was like, this shit's smart. I don't know the bit. And was... nobody's like writing jokes like this. What's, what's the premise of the bit? Uh, the premise of the bit is that uh, I never understood what white men were complaining about when they said they were losing the country until I watched three seasons of Mad Men. And then I realized, like, they lost every fucking thing. <laughs> and I just go into this whole, like, setup and things. But, yeah, I think that was the first bit where I was like, yeah, this is on on par with the type of stuff I want to be writing consistently. Okay. And what is that? What was that yeah, stuff? Yeah, the Zelda the bit time? was also probably... And that was before the Mad Men bit. So the Zelda bit and then the Mad Men bit. Those were two big, like, pivotal bits for me where I was like, okay, this is the level yeah. that you want to be writing at all the time. Yeah. Because, and what is it? what were the signifiers of that? What, what does that level mean? It's kind of... It's intelligent. It's layered. It's funny in a club. It has a point of view on mm-hmm. culture. All that. All of that stuff. Yeah. Because so many of your bits last night, even um, like the Blackfish bit, which is which is a great bit, and uh, I don't know if you want to sort of talk about it. I, was, I never know how much of some people's stuff to reveal. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> but there's a bit about Blackfish. Now, Blackfish was, in the UK at least, that was very current a few years ago when it came out. Mm-hmm. So when you started, I was thinking, oh, is this, is this like an older bit? But the point that you're making yeah. is such a relevant and contemporary... Yeah, because, I mean, like, I think that that's always the weird thing that comics do that's like weird to me is they they write off topics like well i can't talk about blackfish because that happened and it's like i don't give a shit when something happened if it makes sense to me and right now then it makes sense to me right now yeah and as long as you're not writing bits like that are dependent on like it's not about the fucking documentary it's just about a bigger sense of the sure, world and sure. this documentary 
led me into this bigger sense of the world. So it's just like, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't care about stuff like that. Like, I'll tell a fucking joke about Clueless if <laughs> if I fucking feel like it's relevant to what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So do you, where does that confidence come from? A lot of what you're exuding on stage is a sense of, this is the way I see the world, this is the way I see it, and you can come along for the ride or not. What is it in your in your personality? What is it in your childhood or whatever what what is that where where does that come from i mean i don't know i just i don't know i think i just when i when i decided i wanted to do this i think wow interesting i think that stand-up for me was just such a escape and also a place to be myself it was just the first thing I ever did that I felt completely myself. Like I didn't have to compromise any part of my personality or who I was to do it. And so it's just like, for me, if it doesn't feel honest up there, it feels gross. And I don't want the thing that I really like to do to ever feel gross. Uh, So I just do everything I can to avoid feeling gross up there. What were you doing before? All types of shit, man. I worked at a Starbucks. I worked I worked at a Best Buy. I worked at a Circus City. I worked at a Sprint store. I worked at a bad... I was just doing that bullshit jobs. I worked at a mailroom before. I worked for, like, an old people home doing, like, me- medical records, whatever jobs I could. I hated working. So I would always be places, like, two months, three months, and then quit go do some other meaningless job. I just felt like they were all meaningless anyway, so who gave a shit? You know, like my parents, well, not my parents, my parents passed away, but like my aunts and uh, stuff, they would get like all like, you know, why do you keep changing jobs? I'm like, who fucking cares? These are all dumb. It's not careers, so who gives a shit if I change it 30 times, you know? And did you have any idea of what you wanted from a career? No, I didn't know at all. I didn't know how I would even get to a career, to be honest. That didn't seem like a thing that was really possible for me like I dropped out of college I wasn't really into school in the sense that I I just think I never was in the right schools you know what I mean like I probably would have thrived in like an Oberlin type situation and you know what's that I don't know what that Oberlin's like kind of like a private college uh kind of like where a bunch of like Montessori kids would go like on that Montessori type shit um but I just didn't like traditional school it just never worked for me uh so I went to college just to get away, honestly, just to get the fuck out of Boston. But I, I knew I wasn't going to stay there. Um, and I knew I wanted to do something creative, but I really didn't know what that was going to be or even if it was going to happen. I had no sense of it. I just knew I liked being around creatives and I liked being in creative spaces and I liked talking ideas. I used to be like, oh, I, I want to work for a think tank. I think I could do that. (laughs) I didn't really even know what that meant. I just knew it was like people were getting paid to think shit. And I was like, I'd be thinking, you know, and that sounds cool. Um, But I had no sense of any of those worlds to really figure it out. It's so funny. I was just saying that to my girlfriend last night. I was like, you know, like it wasn't until I got into stand-up that I even knew you could go to college for it. You know, like I was in Boston and Emerson was down the street from me. And I had no idea that they had stand-up courses, that they had comedy right I had no idea that you could go to college for comedy had I known that I probably would have stayed in college and went to college for comedy because it's something I was really into Mm. but I just had no sense of it and that's so wild that you can uh 
access is everything. Access and information is just everything. And there's so many kids that grow up without it. You know, my parents didn't know that. So they didn't know how to point me in any direction. And no teacher, I remember telling the teacher I wanted to be a TV writer. And she was just like, yeah, well, you really got to work on your grammar then. And just kind of walked off. But she didn't give me any, this is how you can maybe do something like that, you know? So I didn't, I had no sense of it. So I kind of just had to figure it out in the world. When, uh, what, how old were you when you lost your parents? I was 16 when my mom died, and I was a baby when my dad died. And then I was uh, about 21 when my stepfather died, who was like the man I knew as my father my whole life. Okay. That's, that must have left you feeling kind of rootless. I mean, yeah, for sure. I was just fucking, I was wild, and I didn't have, yeah, of course, I didn't have any uh, foundation, you know? I was just kind of moving around in the world in a bit of a fog for a while, which also took you know, time to, like, sort through all that shit mentally and emotionally. And in that process, I've discovered that I was a lesbian. So it was just a lot of stuff I had to, like, move through as a person and kind of clear before I could even see a path for myself of, like, what to do with myself. Did you you ever get any help moving through that, or was that all just a a sort of reflective process of you thinking? I mean, help, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I never went to therapy or anything formal, you know, but, I mean, you know, you meet people, you have conversations, you learn things, you see things, you grow from them, you have experiences you don't want to have again, you know, you make adjustments and just, you know, kind of live... So when you brought yourself to comedy for the first time, when you did your first ever gig, was that a moment? Of, was were you scared? <sighs> yeah. Well, I tried comedy. I was at like twenty, so I was like twenty, and I tried it like twice, and it was like bad. And I was like, eh, this doesn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt. I didn't. It, I didn't feel the thing I knew I should have been feeling. I felt very disconnected from it, and it just didn't feel right. And I was like, okay, I like this thing, but I, I don't know. And I kind of, like, fell back from it a little bit, and then I got sick. Uh, I got real sick, and I was in the hospital for a while, like, off and on, months at a time for about a year. Okay. And then once I got healthy, it was just a lot of show. My family and for my mom passing and all this shit, and I just wanted to get the fuck out of Boston. So I left, and I went to Atlanta to go to school, and then... I dropped out like maybe a month into being there in two months. And then, um, you were from Atlanta originally. I was born in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I just stayed in Atlanta and like just did a bunch of bullshit, worked and did like all types of different jobs there. And like, I was fucking with music out there and like, and, um, hanging out with these dudes and we were like creating albums and that was cool. And that was fun. And it was the first time I really worked with a group of people trying to figure something out. And that was neat. And, um, then I was like, oh, let's just get... I, I just saw my life... I don't know, I turned 29 and shit was just not working. Um, and I just wanted to turn turn a corner in life. And I was like, just like try this thing that you've kind of always been dancing around. You know, I've always liked comedy still. I was still like into it. And, you know, I would mention it like to friends. Like, yeah, I tried that before. I would try it again. And like, it was kind of in my head. Like, you didn't really give this thing a real shot, you know? You just feel it when you didn't, you know? And so I was just like, hey, just give it a real shot. But I think a lot of it, too, is just I was older and uh, more sure of myself. Uh, when I first tried it, I wasn't out. I didn't even know I was fucking gay, you know? So by the time I came back to it at 29, I just knew who the fuck I was. I was an adult. And, like, I think a lot of that is what people see as confidence. It's just, like, 
I'm just a grown up and I know what I think about things and you're not going to fucking change my mind about what I think. I'm not a kid anymore. You can't just rattle me because you don't agree. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, fine, don't agree, but that doesn't mean my thought is invalid. A lot of the stuff that I've seen you do, a lot of your material has been to do with your discovery, like your journey of discovering your sexuality, discovering that your your marriage wasn't working. Those kind of, like those moments when you're, like you're really good. One of your, that incredible skill of yours is in kind of putting us right in the moment of that realisation. Um, okay, what's the question? Oh, you're right, there wasn't a question. <laughs> I was trying to trick you into talking about it without asking a direct question. Well, I, I, I mean, do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I guess if that's what the audience feels like is going on, then that's what's going on. I don't know if I'm particularly trying to do that or I'm just... I just try to tell the shit from an honest perspective about how I feel about it. Um... And I just try to be vulnerable because I think that's where you get the shit from that makes it good. It's like, talk, talk about that. Go on. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you're really good at being vulnerable. And you're so powerful and you're so vulnerable. So what is that? What is that stuff? I mean, it's just like in the when you're vulnerable to anything, then it's then it's. This is going to sound so fucking Please, corny. Go on. This, come on, this is what we want. <laughs> this is so lame. But when you're, when you're vulnerable in anything, then it's working through you and you're not working for it. So it's like you have to kind of give yourself to it. it or, the, or I feel like the audience can also tell the disingenuine nature of it. And I've never liked that about comedy. I don't like comedy where I feel like you're trying to trick me. Like, I don't need to believe it happened to you yesterday. I'm not a fucking idiot. You can just, like, tell me the thing. You know what I mean? I don't need to believe. Like, I, I just don't do that. Because I feel like that's not where we're discovering shit. And that's not where we are growing together. Because it's still like a, it's art. And you and it should push people. And they should be thinking. And you should be thinking. And you should be growing while you're doing it. You should be discovering shit. That's why I don't get just going out and doing the same set every night. It's like, this is an opportunity to dialogue with people. And if you should be changing as much as they're changing. Sometimes even on stage, I'll like to figure out something. I'll be like, oh, I don't even think that way anymore. I've talked through this thought and now I'm at the end of it. And I'm like, oh, that's not even, I don't have that original opinion because it's always changing and, and growing in that way. And you should be changing and growing in that way and I don't, I don't think you can do that without being vulnerable like, like you can't change in life if you're not vulnerable you know so the the vulnerability part of it is just the only way again it doesn't feel gross because if I'm not vulnerable and I'm not being honest then I'm giving you some prepackaged thing and I'm making up fucking scenarios to tell jokes which I hate I hate that I hate when it's like no, nobody threw up on your shoe. And no, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just know this didn't happen to you. I hate that. And I just don't feel a, I don't feel a need to do that. If you're doing it, by all means, fucking have at it. I just don't see a purpose in that at all. That's why I don't do segues a lot. I just feel like all that shit is stupid. Why do I have to fucking make up a thing just to talk? Like, I just want to talk about this now. Why can't I just talk about this now? Why do yeah. I have to trick you into thinking... It's all one thought. Just fucking don't be an idiot. 
and fo- <laughs> I don't know. I just I have more faith in audiences, I guess, that they can like comprehend without all the like dumb trickery in the middle. Do you ever find yourself? Have you ever found yourself being dishonest on stage out of a sense of like not wanting to reveal, or when you're yeah. when you're working something out, mm-hmm. you don't know how much of your true self to say? Yes. So you maybe protect yourself with a a bit that's a bit. Yeah. I think it happens all the time. I think I think I I, I have a bunch of these little safe bits that I like kind of circle around things that I feel are more dangerous or or I'm not sure about for sure. Um, Could you give us an example of like a, a safe bit, like a making fun of like Apple Android phones? It's you know, it's like come on, this is A to B shit. It's not, it's not women peeing standing up. But sure. sometimes when I'm not so sure about how to get to women peeing standing up, it's like I need this little Apple iPhone shit just to get over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, that has a value, doesn't it? You yeah. have to reset. You can't just be going. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is my, yeah. This is my perspective. Perspective. Right. Perspective. Right. Right. It's like you just got to be a human in it sometimes too, and just fucking goofy. And you know, as much as it is a little like you know one of those kind of cushiony jokes, it's fun for me because it's just goofy too. It just it, it has no value outside of purely just being stupid, which it's fun to have, you know. So this is Sam. Great pleasure to be talking to her. And my thanks to Soho Theatre. I should have said at the very top of the show, uh, Soho Theatre very kindly lent us some space in which to record uh, during Sam's run there. Um, And coming up next week, uh, next week or the week after, and uh, thanks also to Soho for this, Neil Hamburger, a.k.a. Greg Turkington. If you're not familiar with uh, the act Neil Hamburger... How can you possibly, how could I possibly do it justice by describing it? He is America's funny man. He is a sort of, uh, his hair is slathered with goop over a sort of awful comb over. He's a sort of fading vaudevillian stand-up and uh, he is probably the single most offensive comic that I'd be prepared to have on this show um, because he's an act and it's a character and the character, what is it about? It's kind of like a, you know the way, if you're familiar with Nick Helm's work, Nick Helm is this sort of disintegrating, anger-sodden state of a comic and that's kind of the clown, if you like. That's the... um, that's the the basis of it all is the the knowingness of being that appalling person well neil hamburger is like uh, he's playing similar notes on a much more violent creakier instrument a much an instrument much more imbued with the stench of death how's that <laughs> maybe i'll make a note of that for the show notes for that episode um but that one won't be next week uh it'll be the week after or the week after that because next episode of the podcast and it will either be in a week or there will be a little gap while we finish the edit Next week is episode 300. If you were listening a few weeks ago, you will know what's going to be on it. Rest assured, it is something very special. A galaxy of stars will feature, and uh, the guest will be yours truly. I've recorded three chunks of uh, of that interview, of that sort of joint interview. I'm being interviewed by Sarah Millican, Sindhu V, and Tom Allen, all in the room. And uh, I have a host of excellent comics who are big fans and listeners to the show, uh, who have uh, emailed in recordings of questions. It is, as you can imagine, both terrifying for me and an administrative nightmare. Hopefully it will be out next week, but give us a week just in case it isn't. Um, 
that's the, all the trailer I'm going to do. Uh, Sam, you can look at her stuff online. She has a, an album on Spotify called Donna's Daughter. Highly recommend that. Um, you can absolutely hear her murdering the room. And uh, it's, as we discussed briefly, it kind of phases in and out of sort of interludes and elements of uh, conversation and stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting piece of work, as well as being a very, very funny album indeed. Um, get your get your Greg Turkington slash Neil Hamburger research done in advance of uh, episode 301 or 2. And remember, you can book tickets for my own solo stand-up show, a work in progress called Primer, at 3 o'clock at the Monkey Barrel, all throughout Edinburgh. If you're in the Insiders Club, there will be some special treaty things coming your way. And once they're sold out to Insiders, I will open them up to the Facebook group. So join up there if you'd like to be kept abreast of that. That's all for now. Let's return to this conversation with the fantastic Sam Jay. One of your great strengths, I think, is in taking your life story and, and finding a bigger perspective in it. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the bit in your album about eating ass which is like a really, uh, like it's a really uh, graphic bit, Mm -hmm. but you're using it as a lens through which to look at commitment in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. (laughs) Um, I don't... Like, is that a thing you're doing consciously? No, it's just how I see the fucking world. It truly is just how I see things. I... I don't know why. Even my girlfriend hates it. She's like, you always you you overthink everything. You overanalyze everything. It's not that deep. And I'm like, everything is that deep. Everything has a meaning behind it. Everything has a purpose. You don't say things for no reason. You may not always be conscious of of it, but there is something rooted in all behaviors. I just believe that. And so um, it's just how I see shit. It's like that stuff I really thought about when I thought about the fact that I ate ass. Like that's what went through my head, you know what I mean? The whys, the what was motivating me, all of that. It's just like, it's just the shit I'd be thinking, honestly. And is there, does it cost you something to to say it out loud? What do you mean? Well, like in the sense that you are, I know you're making yourself vulnerable, does, is it ever scary to make oh, yourself yeah, man. vulnerable? It, it, like you might, it, you might anger people in your life by telling me unvarnished truth about bro. it. bro. Like, it costs you your sanity. Like, this whole shit is fucking crazy. And it's very crazy to tell your, like, deepest, darkest shit to a room full of strangers. And you have to be a bit off to do it. And every time you do it, you are giving some of yourself to these people to, like, kind of do whatever they will. And, yeah, it, it feels... Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it makes you a little nutty, for sure. I mean, there's times where I just want to be alone and not talk to anyone. I feel like it's because I'm just giving and talking and just downloading so much of my energy into people all the time that you just kind of get fucking tapped. You know what I mean? Just logically, anybody would. Um, so I think when I'm, it's tough because when I'm not on stage and I'm not doing it, you know, my girl, a lot of times she's like, you're just sitting here quiet. You're not saying anything. And I'm like, I just, I don't have anything else to fucking say. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to talk. And it's not that I don't love you. I, I I don't enjoy your company. Like, I like that you're right here, but I just have no need to speak to you at all. You but I don't want to speak to anyone. It's not a yeah, you sure, sure. thing. I just don't feel like speaking, you know? Which I find myself in that state a lot. I'm just like, I don't want to talk. Do you think that you are an 
introverted person. I mean, that's such a corny fucking thing to say. And I feel like every comic says that, which is like, oh, yeah, it's a Maxi, you're a fucking introvert. So it's like lame. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm so uh, glad I didn't go into that question like I was going to. I just don't by want saying to that, a uh, fucking talk. To, I just don't always want to fucking talk to people, I think. I think you're just talking so much. So And it's like, especially if people enjoy you, they want your energy after the show. They want to talk to you about why you think certain things. And like, you're just fucking constantly, you know giving that i think sometimes you're just like i'm fucking good man i don't i don't want to engage i think that's all it is i wouldn't call myself an introvert when you were uh, what were you eating on stage last night uh some candy <laughs> never seen anyone unwrap uh, i mean i'd call that a sweet but I, i'll feel uh, disingenuous if i say candy but there we go you unwrap it like eat half of it <laughs> <laughs> and then do a bit more of your set and then go back to it. Do you feel empowered on stage? Do you feel like you can talk about anything? And Yeah, I feel like there's nothing off limits. You know what I mean? I don't feel like... I just feel like I talk about things when I'm ready to talk about them. So, like, the stuff that I'm doing about my mom right now is the first time I've really, really tried to really attempt to joke about my mom and, like, Growing up, I think I've did one before when I first was kind of like starting out that I, I probably lasted about six months and then kind of just phased out of my routine and kind of grew into uh, the white guys playing the bit. Mm. Um, but I don't think I was doing it just because I didn't know what I wanted to say. I, I didn't know what story I wanted to tell. I didn't know what angle, you know. It's still a sensitive thing for me, of course. I didn't know. Yeah, I just didn't know what I wanted to say or, or, or what I wanted to say about her or our relationship. And then I've been thinking about kids myself, and it made me think back to that story. And so I've been, like, just telling the story because it makes sense to me right now. It just seems to fit in the world that I'm in. And I that's how I pick how to talk about things. It's, it's really that simple. It's like, does it make sense? Does it feel good? All right, let's try it until I don't want to say it anymore. And then I'll just stop saying it. And that's kind of when I know I'm done with a joke, too. It's just, it naturally will just, I just won't say it anymore. And I'll be like, oh, you don't say that anymore. Do you write stuff down? Or is it all set on stage? Oh, no, 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 no. I jot jot things down. Sometimes it will be a whole, like, it will be pretty beat out. Sometimes it will just be a premise or, 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 like, a topic idea that I kind of want to talk through. Little notes kind of scattered around everywhere. I, I I like to believe it's more organized than it is, and most of it is just up here moving around. But I do have like little references all over the place that no one would be able to understand but me, probably. Okay. If you tried to read it, it's just like booty cheeks, cheese. <laughs> and is that how you? <laughs> is that how you've always done it? Pepperonis, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Just you know. Because I guess as, I, I just try to keep it as conversational as possible. And I feel like if you, like when I first, you're making me think about early. I think every comic makes a lot of these same dumb mistakes. And they listen to other like dumbass comics who don't know shit and who are passing on bad information. And so <laughs> at first, especially when you start in a small town, like it's just a small town mentality and everyone's like telling you what the industry wants. But no mm. one's ever even, you know, the industry's like fucking Oz and no one's seen it. But they're like... 
They don't like it when you, you know what I mean? And you're like, no, you don't fucking, no one knows. But you believe these people because they've been doing it longer, so they must know. So I think early, I was trying to do shit a certain way. And Boston's a very uh, white guy town, and they've got their old guard and kind of their beliefs in how stand-up should be. And so I was definitely trying to, like, you know, I was paying attention to my laughs per minute and just fucking dumb stuff that doesn't, matter you know what I mean and like I was getting caught up on words like I was trying to write out just because everybody was writing you know what I mean and I was like well I guess that's how you you're studious at this and you prove that you really want to do it you have to fucking write you know so I was trying and then I'd get on stage and I'd be like I was trying to say it exactly how I wrote it and then when it wasn't coming out how I wrote it I was getting like thrown off and it was just like this is not how I'm funny I'm not funny like this and it wasn't that it was not successful but it didn't feel great and I was like, this is not how I'm funny. I'm funny when it feels natural. I'm funny when it feels conversational. So I had to just do something for myself so that it felt... I wanted it to always feel on stage how it feels when I'm just talking to people. And I was like, as long as I feel that way when I'm up there, then I know that the the right cylinders are, like, clicking and shit, you know? So I just started to fucking write the premise and then just be like, just just talk, just, and you'll figure out the beats. And then once I hit it, and I'm like, yeah, there's the punchline. And then I just say it that way most of the time, little tweaks here and there, depending on where I'm at, or I might have an experience that changes it a little bit. But then that's kind of how I'll figure out what the joke is. And then that's the joke. And then, you know, move on to the next thing and just take the idea. And then I use mics and shit to just take the idea and, like, talk about it from every angle. That's why I hate when people record comics and, like, release shit because like, you just never know where they're at in the process of what it is. And for me, I have to talk things down. Like, I have to go down a really dark path with it, and then I have to be like, all right, that was that was too dark. And yeah, then I kind of, like, sure. pull myself out and, like, before I figure out what it is, you know? So that's just the way that it it works for me. I couldn't, I couldn't be a, a laughs-per-minute person that was just in... Sane. And once I stopped even thinking about all that shit, I got a lot better at stand-up. Kind of exponentially, too. It was just like, once I was like, I think I did that shit for like two weeks, and I was just like, this is fucking stupid. Did, th- did that process of you finding out how you do it, that presumably happened at the same time as the industry started to take notice of you, you started to get more interest in your career? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, once I started doing it that way, that yeah, I started to stand out in Boston, you know, because it wasn't a lot of me. So, so I, I was probably the only lesbian, especially black lesbian, on the scene at the time. Um, so it was like, you're already kind of different than what, what everything is going on. And then when I just started to kind of figure out my flow, it was like, oh, yeah, let's just book this girl more. This is cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then from that, I just started going to New York and shit and um, started getting on some radars and stuff like that. And then festivals, of course, are like a, a huge way to do it. I don't know anymore. Then It changes so much. I don't know what kids are doing now, but five years ago, festivals were like everything. Yeah? I mean, if you were from a little town, that's, it was... A, if you could go to a festival and fuck some shit up, it was a good way to get out. So what we, what kind of festivals you did? I, I did Bridgetown in Portland. I did um, Ride LA. 
Those were probably the, 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 the big ones that I... You sketch fest? That I did later, but I was already, yeah. like, doing shit. But, like, Bridgetown and Riot were, like, no one knew who the fuck I was. And then after Riot... Riot was the first one I did. And I, I got right away because uh, Hamid used to be... He is from Massachusetts, so he was out there with his wife, who I cannot remember her fucking name. I think it's Audrey, but shit, I can't remember her name. That's fucked up. But she runs Riot LA. Um, I feel really bad for forgetting her name. Damn. But she ran Riot, and she came out with him, and he was at the comedy studio in Cambridge, and I was there, and she saw me there, and then a year later, she invited me down to do Riot. She was like, if you can get to L.A., you know, we'd love to have you. And I was like, this is my opportunity to get the fuck out of the city. I was like, oh, God, if I could just go to L.A. and crush this shit and some reps see me or somebody, it'll be a path to get out of here. So I went to LA with like all this like I'm gonna fucking destroy this shit like focus because I just was like I need to get the fuck out of the city, and I didn't know how I was gonna do it. So went to Riot had had really really good sets, uh, and then got invited to Bridgetown. But uh, like some Comedy Central people I see me at Riot and stuff. And then when they saw me again at Bridgetown and I had really good sets at Bridgetown, I got my manager. I met my manager at Bridgetown. And then from there, it just started to, like, move. It was like I met my manager at Bridgetown, and then I got comics to watch, and then shit just started to happen. Yeah, so the festival route really worked. Because yeah. you were because you had the right product. I hate myself for using that term, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's, it's an industry, and if you want yeah. to get out of somewhere, you've got to... Was that useful energy, do you feel, to go in with that kind of, I really yeah. need this? yeah. In yeah. what way? Did it make you work harder or do more sets? Or is I it just think, that you bit I, down harder? I think I just bit down harder and I just, I wasn't going like, yeah, I just bit down harder. I needed to get the fuck out of Boston. And I knew like if I could just, if, I knew it was ready enough that if the right people could just see it, we could start to make some shit happen. I just knew it was like, yeah, it's there. You know what I'm saying? But still, I had to still move. I had to move to L.A. and I had to, like, figure out the L.A. scene and I had to, like, grind it out there. You know what I mean? And, like, it wasn't easy because you basically got to go start all over. You know what I'm saying? And, like, motherfuckers don't know you and it's still, like, their town and they're territorial. You got to, like, go through all that shit. That sense you had of if I can get there, if I can get seen, I can make something happen. I think every comic that starts has that, has a variation on that. They've got some sense of, mm-hmm. of like... I'm, I'm, I can be the person, I can be the one. And a lot of them probably are deluded. Mm. Did you feel it in a different way? Did you feel it in a... I can't answer that because I don't know how they feel it. I can only know how I felt it. And we might be feeling the same exact shit. Isn't that what makes this shit scary? Is that, like, you have to fucking be delusional and believe your your own delusions, you know? Because fuck if I know they probably felt the same exact way I feel. Some, it just works for some people and it fucking doesn't for other people. That's the scariest shit about it. It's like you ever watch a comic and he's on stage and he's just eating it and he's so fucking delusional and he's so just... And you're just like, you have you have no sense of any of what the fuck this is. And you can tell he's just convinced he's the fucking best. And why do we hate that guy so much? Because a part of us is like, what if that's what the fuck we look like? <laughs> like, it's quite possible that I'm just as delusional, you know? So I don't know, man. 
when you started doing festivals when you moved to LA, did you uh, when you started getting seen at LA? Did is that when you started meeting other black lesbian comics? Are you like have you got more of a kind of network of people like you? No, um, I mean I think just over over time I started meeting more. It wasn't specifically LA, but just over time. But even that, I don't think I've met a million. You know what I mean? Sure. I feel like there's like. Enough for a Me, WhatsApp group. <laughs> Paris, Sashay, Wanda, Sykes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I know there's others, you know what I'm saying? Like, you meet them all around, like Mike's and shit. But who remembers Who remembers everybody? You meet so many people doing this. It's, like, hard. But, um, nah, we're not, like, having meetings or nothing. There's, there's nothing like that's going on. We're not having, like, black lesbian comic <laughs> chats. And do you have a... Gina, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you have a, a strategic eye on your career? Or are you just being true oh, to your art? Oh, man, this is so dumb. I, <laughs> all this stuff makes you just sound fucking crazy. I'm like an asshole. I mean, of course I have a strategic eye on my career. I, I would be an asshole and just go, I'm just letting it all happen. Like, and what's oh, some people are. Oh, I'm not just... Nobody. Not many Americans are noticed. Nobody is. <laughs> Anyone saying that to you is lying. They fucking care. And their they're strategy, you, you can't get here without some level of strategy. It's just like those rappers who, like, I didn't even want to rap. It's like, then you wouldn't be fucking a rapper. You had to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you had a manager. I was just selling drugs. No, nigga, you had a manager. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you attempted to be great at something. That's okay. You know what I'm saying? But, like... There's no way. Of course, I, of course, I have a strategy. Of course, at least I think about it, and I have things that I want to happen a certain way. Am I okay if they don't? Yes, I'm completely fine if they don't. I'm completely patient. It's cool, but yeah, I have things I want. What sort of things do you want? No, I don't want to talk about it. But I have things I want. Is is Britain part of the thing? Have you got an eye on? Like, are you over here to work out material? Or are you over here to land and and make no. Britain one of the places you go? I mean, I would love to be able to to work here. I, I find the audience is fun and um, smart. Uh, did I come here like, all right, gotta gotta get Britain, gotta get this British market? Nah, I don't really move like that because you don't know what the fuck you don't know how you're gonna be somewhere. You know, like you, they might be totally turned off by you, and that's, again, if that's fine, you know, so. I, my goal was to see how my shit played in front of a British audience and just start to get a global feel for my stuff, you know? I've only worked in the States. You know, I just started leaving this year. I went to Australia and Dublin last year. It was my first time out of America was Dublin for that Vodafone Festival. And then Australia. So, you know, especially because I'm building an hour, you know, that, you know, hopefully will be my my first special. I just wanted to feel global. I don't want it to feel stupid. And I know I have all these, like, lofty ideas about race and politics, and I feel like it would be half-assed of me to not get a world stamp on that, you know, because at some level you're elevating yourself when you're a comic because you're standing on a stage and you're telling people they should pay to listen to you. And if I'm going to sit up there and, and talk about all this shit, it's just, just a part of my job to get as many perspectives on it as I can. That is my job, you know? If there's a job aspect to it, then that's it. And so coming here is about growing, 
because I have to continue to grow it or it won't feed me. So when you started writing for SNL, you were like, that's less common, isn't it? That you're a stand-up in the writer's room um, than a sketch writer. No, Leslie started as a writer. Shay started as a writer. It happens. It's not, not, it doesn't not happen. And how do you, how do you find writing for SNL compared to... <laughs> mm-hmm. Compared to... Compared to writing your own stand-up, given that your own stand-up is... The SNL question. No, um, Is that the question everyone asks? All the time. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It's probably what people want to know. I, um, well, I just... You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a stand-up. I don't write sketches. I don't write for other people. I would be horrified to go into a room and go, oh, shit, something ex- a format is expected of me. How do I fit my own I mean, very loose system into... You just got to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? It's just like... I had never written a sketch before. It definitely was intimidating. I didn't know what I was fucking doing. I mean, I understood funny. I had a sense of that, but I didn't really have a sense of, like, how to... I've never written a sketch, so I didn't know what I was doing. And they were bad, the first... The, I mean, you just... It's just, like, all of this shit, though. You just gotta be willing to fucking fail, and you can't be bigger than failing, and you gotta know it's gonna kick your ass, and you're not gonna know everything. But if you are, you know, determined and you're just going to keep getting back up, then the shit will fucking work itself out. And you don't necessarily know what that is going to be. It might have been getting fired from SNL for me. Maybe SNL wasn't my fucking thing. No, and I would have just had to accept that. I might not have taken to it, but I did. You know what I'm saying? I was kind of willing for it to go either way, but I was just like, I'm going to just try my hardest because that's all I could really do. You know, like, I got to be here anyway. So I'm going to try to figure out how to write these sketches. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm, I'll give these very just like answers, but I don't know. That's just, you can't think about it beyond that because the fact is I don't write sketch. So if I go in there like, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to kill this fucking room, that's stupid because I've never even done it. You know what I mean? Or if I go in there with all this pressure, like people are going to laugh because I don't know what I'm, it's like, well, they probably will because I don't know what I'm doing and that's fine. And like this shit's going to be bad for a while. I just kind of felt like I went in knowing like you're going to be bad at this for a while. And it's just going to suck, and you're just going to have to suck it up. That's impressive. I think that is like that, to go into something and go, this is going to be bad and I'm going to cope with it. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I have the mentality. Yeah, I just I, I just knew. I never done it. And I was doing it with the best people to do it on the highest level to do it. And some of these motherfuckers have gone to Harvard for this shit. And, like, I've never written anything that wasn't for myself. You know what I'm saying? So... And then sketch, that's a whole other way to write, too. It's not, like, I've written pilots, but they were me-centric, and I was creating every character out of my head. Whereas when you're writing sketch, it's like, you have to write for the people. So you have to learn, you have to cast your own sketch. You do a lot there, and you have to learn how to do every part of it. So I even had to learn how to cast, which means you have to learn the fucking cast. So for a while, my sketches weren't even casted right. You know what I mean? They just, it, it wasn't what everyone shines in. And that took time to learn. I just had to watch. I had to watch them. I had to watch what they like to do. I had to watch at the table. At table reads, you could see when people come alive. Pay attention to the shit they write for themselves what kind of characters they write for themselves. Like, when Beck puts something on the table, what does it sound like? What type of guy is he playing? Because that's the type of guy he likes to play. And if you can write stuff and cast them in things that they are going to get excited about, then they bring more energy to the table. They bring more energy to the piece. It makes the piece better. But you have to learn all that. You have to learn all the parts 
and how they all move together and then how to get your voice into that, which is just a whole nother bag of shit. It's a lot of failing and you just have to be fine with it. But it was fine. I needed to fail. So it was fine. It's like, that's a part of growth too. It's like, you can't just always win or you don't grow. So it was like, I needed something that was going to kick my ass and kind of, it was just time to learn another part of it too. I think stand up. It was just like, I had a pretty good handle on stand up and I knew, I, I knew where, I, I, I see what to do with that. And it was like, okay, I was, also, I was getting bored. You know, it's really boring because you do something every day. And I've been doing stand-up every day at that point for like five years. You get bored with anything. So it was getting boring, too, where I was just like, this doesn't feel challenging. And so SNL was a great way to be challenged. It was a way to step back from stand-up a little bit so I could get some fresh eyes on it. It was also a way to learn a new muscle and a new tool in comedy, which opened up for me, writing period, which I really enjoy more than I thought I would. Um, And it just allows me to be a multifaceted and multi-layered comedian, which allows me to create a career. It's like the more tools I have, the more things I can do, the more ways I can control me, which is the product and how I get to create and what I get to put into the world. And so... I think it I think it was essential for that, but yeah, it was super, super hard. It's still hard. I mean, I cried at least four times a season. I probably cry every season. It's just a lot. Are you happy? You know, some days, yeah, some days no. I think I'm like fucking a human and I'm like dark and fucked up a lot and a lot of bad <laughs> shit happened to me, so I spend you know, it's about a fifty fifty. I say fifty percent of the time I'm happy. Fifty percent of the time, I'm depressed. That's not bad. I mean, Russia, fifty-fifty's all right. I feel like it's good. Like I don't. I mean, I don't know how you like live in, and you're like fucking aware, and you don't have anxiety and shit like that. I just, I don't get how you could be walking around this world and not have certain shit going on in your head. You know what I mean? So being like sad or having bouts of sadness doesn't really bother me. It's just like a part of the process. That sounds very... Uh, so overall, yeah, I'm happy. The, the way you talk about... I know you said you never had any therapy, but the way you talk about your growth and your development, your relationship to, you know, sadness and the process and being happy to fail, that feels like all of that stuff is really good mental health. I think I just didn't want to... I don't know. I just... I was, like... I was in such a dark place after my mom died and, like... If, you know... I just kind of had to pull on, like, myself to get myself out of it. And I I had to learn some tools to get through. And that was a part of it. it was just a lot of it was just acceptance. Just being like, you know, you, the things you can't control, you can't control. And the things you can't, you can't. And what you can always control is yourself. But you can never control what anyone's going to do. But you can always control what you're going to do, how you're going to react. And once I kind of took that power for myself... I was a lot happier because I felt in control. I didn't feel like life was happening to me anymore. It was like I was an active participant. 
rather than shit just happening to me. And once I put myself in that position to be in control of my shit and a participant in my life instead of a passerby in my life, then it made the low times easier. And I had been lower. So it was just like, yeah, shit, you be sad sometimes, it's fine. My mom died when I was 16. You know, my dad died when I was a baby. My stepdad died when I was 21. My brother spent a long time in jail for, like, my teens, and he was, like, my best friend. Like, nigga, I'm going to be sad. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like, sad shit has happened to me. It's okay. Sometimes I'm going to think about that shit, and it's going to make me sad. That's a part of life. I can't erase what happened, and I'm not going to act like it doesn't hurt. But you just can't dwell in it too long. And you can't let it stop you from doing what the fuck you're doing because that's kind of productive. Do you think stand-up, the outlet that stand-up gives you to talk about the way you see the world, has that helped? Has that had like a healing factor? Um, I just think it gave me purpose. I just think it just... I think that everybody knows that, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, like, moving through the world and knowing I was supposed to be doing something, but knowing that I'm not doing it and just knowing I wasn't living to my potential. I think that was the most depressing thing. Of all the shit that was going on with me, what was depressing me the most was that I wasn't living up to my potential and I wasn't doing anything, and I was just watching my life pass me by, and that was scary. It was like, what if you never get a handle on this shit, bruh? And you 35, and that's the age that was just stuck in my head for some reason. When I was 29, it was just like, yo, you cannot be doing this same shit at 35, because then it's over. Then it's a wrap. If you still here at 35, you ain't never going to get out. You're still going to be here, you know, in this dark place where you know, you like, you know you're supposed to be doing something greater than what you're doing. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be sitting in no cubicle, sorting fucking mail like this feels like death so i think in that sense stand-up saved me i don't know if i, I probably would have killed myself if i was still doing that shit because you just you feel so trapped trapped like there's no way out but you know it's like wearing something that doesn't fit you and you gotta wear that shit every day it's crazy shit drives you nuts so stand-up just it just it was like oh this is what you're supposed to be doing it just it made me feel like a part of the world. Like, oh, you're here now, finally. You're not just moving through. Thanks, Sam. So that was Sam. No post-amble this week. Uh, it just remains for me to thank Sam J once again for coming on. Thank you to Flory for her part in putting that together. Thank you to Soho Theatre and Sarah Dodd in particular for helping me out. Uh, thanks to Dimple Power, who also uh, helped sort that uh, recording space and looked after me on the day. Thank you to Rob's Mountain for the music. The producer was Nathan Wood, and the logging was done by Jake Crossland and the podcast correspondent, Peter Dobbing. That's all the thank yous. That's all the chat. Follow me at ConcomPod on Instagram and Twitter. Join the Facebook group for all of your insider info. And go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for extra material from any episode that has extra material, which is quite a few of them now. 40 or something? Bloody loads of them. Right, that's that. Uh, no post-amble this week. I am shattered. Goodbye! Goodbye! <laughs>